Good morning. It's good to see everyone. It's always good to be able to worship with you. And I love how how the church just. Wow, this is magnetic. I didn't realize this. This is this is exciting. It's good. No, it's good. No, I love how our church just goes right into worship and engages right away, immediately. Just there's not this build up, and it takes three or four songs to to everybody, you know, kind of be there. They're just there, which means possibly that that some of us are are preparing before we even get here for worship, which is a beautiful thing. Um, I have a, a question to get us started today. Have you ever started something and then shortly after starting it realized, okay, this is too much and you quit? Yeah. Anybody <laughs> ever done that before? Okay, let's take, for example, New Year's resolutions. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> okay, be honest. How many of you have started or you you set out this year to have some sort of resolution, I don't know what it is, and you've already missed it or quit. Anybody there? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you for being honest. Yes. <laughs> so you may not know this, but this past Friday was an unofficial national or an unofficial holiday. It's known as Quitters Day. <laughs> the second Friday in January is known as Quitter's Day, which commemorates the quitting of your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I mean, that's just sad, right? <laughs> Two weeks? Yeah, statistically, um, most people don't last very long with their resolutions. But why am I bringing this up? You know, it's, it's one thing if we are committing to eating better, or exercising more, or maybe reading more books, or, or doing something like that in the new year. And and to be honest, we, we sometimes ebb and flow out of that commitment. Like sometimes our stick-to-itiveness is stronger some years than others. But, but if we do drop off, it's not, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Right, and then next year we like get all motivated again, and we we do it again, right? But what if we're tempted to quit something much more important, like our faith? Have you ever been tempted to quit your faith? Have you ever been tempted to to just maybe say? Yeah, I'm done with God. It's much more serious, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, there may be those in the room today who still, even though you've been coming to church and you've been a part of a Christian community, maybe, but there's still some, some questions about this whole Jesus thing. You're not quite convinced yet. You're not completely sold out. And there may be others of you who, who while you, um, you know, when you decided to, to join up and, and, and start claiming Christianity even and, and following Jesus, that meant there was persecution or even rejection in your home or in your family. And so there might be some sense of, man, maybe it's just not worth it. 
Maybe I could just, just be done with this whole thing. And, and you know, and sometimes we go through different things and, and challenges in our life and it's just, it, it's, it might be tempting to just say, forget it. I'm kind of done with, with God. I'm kind of done with Christianity. I'm done with the church. I don't want it anymore. But I want you to know that the, the audience from the book of Hebrews, this is a series we've been in now for the last several weeks. The audience from this book, those are some of the same things that they're experiencing and they're going through and the same kind of emotions, the same kind of thoughts that they're having. Just maybe it's, it's too much. See, these were in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be there today. And if you're new here or you haven't been here for a while, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. We're now to chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn there or get your phone out. I don't even know what people do. I have an iPad, so I guess that's where my Bible is now. But Hebrews chapter five and what's happening, the audience here, these are. Our, our Jewish people, they're, they're faithful or at least are familiar with Judaism. And the author of the book, he knows these people very well. And he expects them to know certain things about, about the Old Testament, certain stories. He expects them, assumes that they already know the story of Abraham, assumes that they know something about the law, that they know something about the wilderness wanderings and all these different things. And so the audience here is, is possibly Jewish Christians, or at least those who are claiming to be Christians. But there's something, there's something a bit off with this group. We're going to talk about it a little bit. We're in Hebrews chapter 5, but before we can get there, we need to learn a little bit more about this audience from the book of Hebrews. So let's jump to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 36. We're going to read a little bit about this, this group of people that the writer of Hebrews is writing to. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 36. It says this, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, meaning they heard the truth of the gospel. It says you endured a great what? Struggle. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Partly by me being made a public spectacle is the way my version says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being patterns with those who, who are treated this way. Mine says it this way. In the ESV, it says, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. In other words, these people were facing verbal abuse and acts of violence because of their stance with Christ in the church. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Their very property was being taken away. 
knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Do you have this in the ESV version? You don't? Uh, what is this, the NIV? That is the ESV. Well, what am I reading out of then? <laughs> says this, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. See, the writer of the book of Hebrews is encouraging these men and women to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. And as we'll see later, he also goes on to give them a strong warning not to abandon Jesus. So let's let's pray and then we'll talk about this a little bit more. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, and I pray for each one in this room today. Lord, there may be those in here that still have yet to put their faith and trust in you. God, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Lord, I pray for those who may be struggling today. They're a follower of you, but they might be a bit discouraged. They might be a, a little bit uh, just possibly even ready to quit. God, I pray that you would encourage them, challenge them, help them to stay faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, up to this point in the book, if you've been a part of this study, for those of you who've been here, for those of you who haven't been here, uh, maybe we need to help everyone out, everybody get caught up to where we are. So up to this point in the book, the author of the book of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is better than, he's superior to all these different things. Does anybody remember any of the things that Jesus is superior to? I feel like the, uh, the uh, substitute teacher is like, okay, class, what have you been studying? You know? Does anybody remember? He, Jesus is superior to... Perfect. Angels. Okay, we'll go with that one. I heard that. Angels. Jesus is superior to the angels. Also, Jesus is superior to the high priest, the priestly system. That's right. And then Jesus is superior to saints. Yes. Okay. Yes. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the law. He's superior to the promised land. He talks about having God's rest as opposed to this promised land rest that he's talking about. So he's building this case that Jesus is superior to all these different things throughout the text. Right. And then up through chapter five in his communication at the time in chapter five, he's talking about the fact that Jesus is superior to the priest. And then he mentions a guy's name, somebody from the Old Testament, kind of a strange name. Does anybody remember his name? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Okay. So chapter five up through verse 10. He's building this huge case that Jesus is better than, Jesus is superior to all of these different things. And then we get to verse 11. And all of a sudden, he stops. It's almost as if he takes a breath. And he can't go on 
He can't go any further without saying something directly to his audience. So what does he say? He says this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. Let's see if we're on the same page here. Or if I have a different one. It says about this. All right, so far so good. What is this? The this here is what he's just been talking about. The fact that Jesus in, is better than all these things and specifically his connection with Melchizedek. So he says about this, we have much more to say. Is that what it says? Yes. Okay. We're back. About this, we have much more to say. In other words, I want to tell you so much more about this. I want to keep talking about this. I want to share so much of the truths and so much. Oh, there's so much here. I want to share with you. But you can't do it. Why? It's hard to explain. Now, here are we talking about the, the concepts are so difficult that it's just above their heads? No. No. Why is it hard to explain these amazing truths that he's wanting to share? He says, since you have become dull of hearing. What's that about? Have you ever been called dull of hearing? It's not very. <laughs> he says you've become dull of hearing. He goes on to say in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Wow. It's a bit uh, harsh, maybe a little bit, don't you think? I mean, the author of Hebrews is critiquing his audience by being dull of hearing still needing to learn the basic principles and acting like children who still need milk rather than solid food. Hmm. It seems that the author has a major problem with his audience, doesn't it? There's something going on here. And if you've noticed over the last several weeks, if you've been here, you may have picked up that these concerns are not something new. He's actually been hinting at it throughout the whole book. In fact, he said in chapter two, verse one, he said, pay close attention to the message you've heard, lest you drift away, implying that they weren't paying close attention, implying that they're drifting away. In chapter 2, verse 3, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Implying they're on the verge of neglecting their own salvation. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, consider Jesus, implying that they're not even considering him. In chapter 3, verse 12, it says, take care lest you have an evil heart of unbelief. 
In 4 verse 1, it says, fear lest you fail to enter God's rest. In 4.11, it says, be diligent to enter God's rest lest you fall by disobedience. And in 4.14, he said, hold fast to your confession. See, this is building up. This isn't something new. But if we get to chapter 5 verse 11, and it's like he has to stop for a moment and say, just, just, I can't even go on anymore. I can't go any further because you're dull of hearing. He's trying to build this case of the superiority of Jesus Christ throughout the whole book. And he wants to go on, but he just can't. Because they're what? Dull of hearing. So what does that even mean? The words dull of hearing come from a Greek word. uh, The word is nothros. And the idea of the word... It can be understood as meaning sluggish or lazy, but specifically lazy in hearing. Or it could even mean slow to learn. It's not a matter of that they don't have the intelligence to learn it. They don't have the motivation to learn it. So let me read it from a few other versions. Obviously, we won't have them here. The other versions in the NIV, it says this. You no longer try to understand. In the New Living Translation, it says you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says you've become too lazy to understand. Wow. The word is also translated sluggish. In chapter 6, verse 12. We're in chapter 5, but if you go all the way to chapter 6, verse 12, it uses the word sluggish. I'll begin reading in 6, verse 11. It says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish. It's the same word. Or dull of hearing. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. D.A. Carson writes about this. He said, this is a very rare word in the New Testament. It starts at 5.11. He uses the word at at chapter 5, verse 11. And then he uses it again in chapter 6, verse 12. And it almost creates this, this theme throughout that section of the word of God and of the letter. So what's really going on here? I think it's important to know who the author is writing to in this text. MacArthur says of these here, the letter to the Hebrews was written to a Jewish church. We don't know who wrote it, but we know to whom it was written. It was written to the Hebrews. That's why it's often called the book of Hebrews, to Jewish believers. He says, but on the edges of that church were Jews who had acknowledged the truth intellectually, but never embraced the Savior. And they were there. They were attending. They were a part of it. In other words, they were part of the church, maybe for social reasons, maybe for reasons of relationships, maybe because they felt that it drew them closer to God in some way. For whatever the reasons they were there. And they periodically, through the epistles to the Hebrews, which is addressed to the believers, there are warnings to these non-believers sitting on the edges, mingling with the congregation. 
So we have two audiences potentially from this text. We have those who are true believers and they're possibly still struggling a bit with certain things. But we also probably have another group that are non-believers. Yet they're there every week in church. They're a part of the community. They possibly have even suffered a bit for being a, quote, Christian. But they're still not even in the family of God. They're not truly believers. There were they, those who claimed to be followers of Christ. They claimed Christianity, but now they've become spiritually dull, indifferent to God, and are on the verge of apostasy. Well, what, is, what is apostasy? Apostasy is the abandonment or renunciation of faith. It's the total rejection of Christianity by one or by one who at one time professed the Christian faith and then who publicly rejects it. The author of Hebrews is passionately warning those in the church of this very thing. Be careful. He's giving the warning about this. He says in verse 12, for though by this time, Hebrews 5.12, by this time, meaning They'd been around the teaching of gospel long enough that they should have known it by now. And they should have been able to teach it. But he says, you ought to be teachers, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. See, the problem was that they were not making the connection between all of this amazing Old Testament teaching and Jesus. They were not connecting the dots. They were not seeing that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. And so the author is coming back again and again and again saying, but Jesus is better than these things that you're putting your faith in. Jesus is better than all of that. And they're missing it. In John 5, 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is in they that bear witness about me. It's Jesus. That's what all of this is about. That's what the author is getting to. They missed the main point. Jesus is superior to all those things. The law, Moses, Aaron, the priest, the promised land. He's better than all that. But somehow they're missing it. And some may even be wanting to go back to Judaism. Like, again, I'm I'm just kind of done with this Christian church thing. I get persecuted. I got my my land taken away because of it. and, And I'm getting, you know, my family's abandoned me. I think I just want to go back to the old ways. That's kind of where some of them are at. Remember, they were suffering. They're suffering due to their association with Christ in his church. And instead of saying like Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he said this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's not where they're at. 
No, they're not saying that at all. They were instead drifting away from the truth of the gospel. There are those in the church who have clearly heard the gospel and have even been maybe attracted to the gospel, but have yet to respond personally to the gospel. And now over time, in their case here, maybe the spark has gone out, the excitement has gone out, the, the attraction has faded. And even though they've, been, they've heard countless truths from the preaching of the, and teaching of his word, they are not able to comprehend or digest the truths. In other words, they become dull of hearing, lazy. They don't even try to understand anymore. They don't even care to try. He goes on to say in verse 12, you need milk, not solid food. I mean, the author here is calling them babies. They've regressed to being an infant. Notice it's not an infant in their faith, but an infant in their understanding and application of the word of God. He says this in verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. It's unskilled in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The mature believer will have discernment and will, through practice, be able to distinguish between good and evil. But there are those who the writer of Hebrews is addressing who are clearly not mature. Christians grow in spiritual maturity only through regularly hearing and studying God's word and putting it into practice. It's not enough just to hear it. You may have heard this before. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. It could be very easy every week to come to church, sit with everybody else, Stand and sing. It's emotional. It's fun. There's really cool people here. You get to build relationships. And you have this connection with a community. And so you know somebody outside of, you know, your home. And it's like, this is great. And it can still have nothing to do with Jesus. Be careful of that. Take warning. In the parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 8, he talks about four different types of hearers to the word of God. Luke chapter 8, let's go ahead and turn there. And I want to look at this passage and, and I want you possibly to see yourself in this parable. Luke chapter 8, verse, we'll begin in verse 4 through verse 15. It says this, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, came to Jesus, he said in a parable, a parable is a heavenly story, no, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's 
I think I got that right. Yes, it's a earthly story, something that we would relate to here on earth with a very heavenly meaning. So he gives them this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse nine. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that, and then he quotes the Old Testament, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And then verse 11, he, Jesus, explains the meaning of the parable. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is what? The seed is the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. They've heard it. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So we hear, or we see here, these four different types of hearers to the word of God. The first one we'll call the, they're like surface hearers. They only hear on the surface. They're illustrated by this hard path where the seed is trampled underfoot and the birds devour it. They hear the word of God, but it is quickly snatched away by the devil. It doesn't even last long enough in their mind to take root. The word of God never even gets past their ears. J.C. Rowell writes about these things, he says, but nowhere perhaps is the devil so active as in a congregation of gospel hearers. That's us here today. Nowhere does Satan labor so hard to stop the progress of that which is good and to prevent men and women being saved. From him come wandering thoughts and roving imaginations, listless minds and dull memories Sleepy eyes and fidgety nerves, weary ears and distracted attention. I can think of no other place than in a church service, especially when I was a kid or like a preteen or even a teenager, maybe even an adult sometime, where I could be so tired, right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> heads nodding, eyes closing, like what is it? I mean, we have a little bit of an excuse here because it's a little bit warm, and so, all right. Or, or you're, have you ever had your mind wander in church? Like, it's amazing what comes in our minds during a time where we're supposed to be 
gleaning and hearing and listening to and applying the word of God, right? And sometimes, yeah, I mean, I think we've all been there from time to time. Where it's just difficult to pay attention. It's difficult to take it in. And the words come and they just, they don't they don't get past the ears, right? There was a preacher um, preaching one Sunday, and he noticed that most of the people in the congregation were asleep. And so he calls for a second offering. <laughs> he calls out one of the deacons, like, "Hey, take up. Let's take another offering." Well, the deacon was asleep, <laughs> and so he kind of woke up red faced and was like, reminded the pastor that they had already taken the offering. And the pastor was like, "I don't care. I'm going to charge people for, for room and board, or for, not just for the spiritual food, since they're sleeping." Well, everybody. Kind of woke up after that. But but sometimes we get that. Like, I mean, but I think what we're really talking about here, what Jesus was talking about in this passage, is not just times in our life when we're tired and maybe can't pay attention. What he's really talking about is he calls it a, a path, it's a hard surface, right? So I think what we're really getting to is a is a hard heart. A heart that's been hardened to the good news. It's been hardened to the word of God. To you, I would say, if this is you today, maybe you would honestly say, if you really, well, if you were hearing this, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I've become hardened to, to the Bible and to church and to the things of God. I just, I don't want to hear it anymore. To you, I would say, as the writer of Hebrews says, don't harden your hearts like Israel did in the wilderness. So what causes our hearts to become, become hardened? Well, a number of things, but many times it it's, can be unrepentant sin. Maybe we have unrepentant sin in our life, and, and anytime we, we get around somebody who's maybe talking about the Bible or, or sharing good news about the word of God and the gospel and we're just like, I don't want to hear that because I don't want to be exposed for the sin that I have in my life. Sometimes our hearts can become hardened because of pride. We think like, who, who do they think they are trying to tell me what to do? Sometimes pain will lead to a hardened heart. We think, I can't believe God would allow that. And so we just become hardened to the things of God. Oftentimes, unbelief will lead to a hardened heart. Say things like, where is God? Does he even exist? To those of you who have a hardened heart this morning, I suggest you pray for a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, it says, And I, God, God will give them, a one, give them one heart. And a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Now I want you to know that that heart, that new heart can only come and only be found in Jesus. Yeah. Well, the second type uh, of soil here, the second type of hearer, we'll call them shallow hearers. The first type is surface hearers. The words came and just, they don't get any further than right here. The next 
type of hearer is shallow hearers. They are illustrated here by rocky soil. The soil is very shallow. And underneath this thin layer of soil is solid rock where the plant cannot take root. They hear the word of God sometimes and, and show immediate interest and even joyful emotion towards the gospel. But this is just short-lived. It's like a, a plant that springs up quickly and then the sun comes out and it dies off. The scorching heat of temptation or persecution quickly kill off any response there was to the gospel. This is the one that most reminds me of New Year's resolutions. Right? It's like, oh man, I'm going to read so many books this year. I'm going to work out every day. And then like two weeks in, it's like, oops. <laughs> kind of forgot to do that. But we've seen this in the church, right? You've seen somebody, maybe a, a, a friend or somebody that you know, and, and they maybe they've never heard the gospel before. They've never heard the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And, and they, they hear it, and they maybe hear the truths of God's word, and they get excited about it, like, wow, this is awesome. And they see a Christian community, and like, man, this is great. I want to be a part of that. I'm coming every Sunday. I'm going to be there. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And then like two weeks later or three months later, it's like, where, where's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> they spring up and then they're gone. You see, I think when we're talking about New Year's resolutions and we make these commitments, these things happen. It's like, okay, so, but if I don't eat healthy, Okay, it's not the end of the world. I, I just, but if I do, I'll live a little bit longer maybe on this earth. Or if I exercise more, that'd be great. But what a tragedy it is when the commitment to the things of God are left and abandoned. And our commitment is gone. See, Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. He's not a way. He's not a truth. He's the only way. No man comes to the Father except through Him. And if I don't receive His death as the only adequate payment for my sin and believe in His burial and resurrection as proof of His power over the grave, over sin and over death, I'm still lost. And I'm on the outside looking in. And even if there was a time when I was zealous for the things of God, maybe I was determined to go to the church every week. I was going to be a good person. I'm, I was going to give money to the poor, but I never truly put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I will be like this plant that shoots up quickly, but then fades away because it, I was never truly rooted in Christ. And we know what will, from the passage, what will reveal the truth in our lives. It's times of testing. It says that will show us if, if we are truly connected to Christ or if we've simply got excited about some religious fad. The third one, and I'm going to go real fast here. The third one is the sidetracked hearers. They're illustrated by seeds being choked out by thorns. 
They hear the word of God and have no problem with the teaching or preaching, but they gradually allow the things of this world to distract them from the things of God. And eventually those things choke out their faith. As Christians, we need to take a step back from our busy lives to examine where we are. We need to ask ourselves, have I been growing spiritually? Or am I allowing the things of this world to kind of pull me away into other things? Hebrews 2 1 says, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. I mean, I don't think, I don't think this, when we get to chapter 5, verse 11, and, and the author like addresses these people and says like, hey, you're tall of hearing. I don't think that happened overnight. I think this was a gradual thing yeah. that was taking place over time. And eventually they just weren't interested anymore. There's a, uh, a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Anybody read it? Am I know what I'm talking about? We have one. One. Okay, this is going to be, uh, this is a strange book. It's an excellent book. But he writes it from the perspective of Screwtape, who's like a, um, a high official in the demon world. And he's training up another guy called Wormwood. He's trying to teach him the ways of how to mess up people to get them to follow and go away from God. And he says this. I have to do it in the voice of kind of like a funny thing so that you get the idea. You will say that these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all other young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from what he calls the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are provided, that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and on into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. What he's saying here is that the gradual slope can be very effective in the Christian community. There's so many things to get us distracted, to get us focused on other things. Don't drift. Don't neglect so great a salvation. Hold fast to your confession of faith. And the final one is the one who is the sincere hearer. In this parable, the final one is saying it's illustrated by good soil. They hear the word of God, sincerely believe it and put it into practice and bear fruit. And I don't know about you, but that's the one I want to be. I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. I don't want to abandon the faith. I want to say like Paul in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I don't want to become dull of hearing, lazy or indifferent to the word of God. I desire to be growing deeper in gospel maturity. 
And so may we heed the words of the author of Hebrews. May we heed his words today. I think, again, it's possible we have two audiences here. Those who are true believers, heed his words. Those who have never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, heed his words. As he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 